0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Giraffe Chaff. My name is Zach, and I'm joined, as per usual, by Ben Fisher. Ben, how you doing,
1: dude? Is cover is is COVID over yet? It's gotta be over by right now, right?
0: Uh, hold on. Let me just check my watch. No, doesn't doesn't look like it's over yet.
1: I, I'm getting pretty sick of it at this point. It's ah. coming up on a year. You're getting sick. Oh oh my god! I don't even. uh, That's. I can't say that.
0: (laughs) Um. Yeah. No. It does. It does suck. Uh. It is coming up on a year. We're at. Um. I'm just thinking, looking at the date. I we two weeks from now will be like the the annual uh, I guess celebration or whatever of me starting to work from home. (laughs) Um. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, We're getting close to a year. Luckily, cases are dropping pretty. Pretty much across the board, like from what I've been looking into, it seems like cases are just dropping all over the place, which is great. Vaccine rollouts are yeah. doing their thing, so hopefully, it's not too not too far off from us all being able to get vaccinated and get back to some semblance of normal.
1: For me, that's paper magic. When I'm playing paper magic again, I'll know things are back in a uh, good, good shape.
0: Sounds good. Well, this is episode number 35. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome. We're glad to have you. This week, we're talking well. We're not really talking. In fact, we're doing a Kaldheim live draft. We will be talking over the draft, but we're going to be chatting about our picks throughout the entire draft. We're doing a full Kaldheim draft for you guys. So you'll get to hear kind of Ben and I go back and forth on our typical uh, discussion pattern as we have when we when we draft alongside each other. But before we get into that, of course, we've got a few things to plug. First up is the Discord if you're interested in communicating with us more or checking out, uh, different insights from the rest of the community members here, the best place to do that is on the discord. You can check out the link to that in the episode description, as well as on our Twitter page. And of course the show is sponsored by you, the listener via Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. If you're interested, we have five different tiers over there starting at $2 a month, all the way up to $10 a month. And we have a whole bunch of different options, including, uh, a whole bunch of different perks, I should say, including stickers, uh, behind the scenes, uh, access to our show notes, you know, uncut versions of the show, all sorts of different things to uh, you know pique your interest over there. So if you're interested in giving back to the show directly, it keeps us doing this every week and we really can't thank all of our patrons enough. We're going to skip the crack and draft type thing this week and go right into the Teferi Tibble because of course we're cracking a whole draft. So Ben, why don't you kick us off with the Teferi Tibble?
1: Sure. So I think the thing that we're both pretty excited about the most is the upcoming Kaldheim Sealed Arena Open. This is the first time we're going to have high stakes limited uh, in arena. And I can't believe it. We're going to get to play in like a, essentially a $2,000 prize tournament from the comfort of our own chairs at home. And yeah. I mean, all the opens that? have
0: been super sweet and it's been nice to be able to have access to a, to a, a tournament like this. Honestly, I think there should be more in, in the And and they should Mm. have a tournament client. Let's not get into all of that nonsense. But um, yeah, those are things that should be. It's really great to see to see high stakes limited though for sure. I am excited that we're getting some semblance of it. It will be nice to see draft. And I kind of wish they were doing day one sealed here into like a day two and a top eight draft. It would have been cool to do like cut to top eight and then do do a Mm. full draft in the top eight because then you know you get around all of the um, we don't have enough people to draft kind of thing. But this is great. It's a great first stepping stone, and I'm excited to see Sealed kind of come back, because I think for a while, Sealed hasn't really been on people's minds like for the last few years. So it's nice to see it being mm-hmm. put back in the spotlight.
1: Yeah, I don't think I have fired a single Sealed Zendikar Rising no, event. me neither. Uh, I, just don't think I, I just don't think I wanted to. I mean, I had a a escape kit that I cracked with a friend, uh, and actually, I have my, my Kaldheim one sitting on my shelf that I'm looking forward to cracking at some point, but... That doesn't really count. Playing some kitchen table magic is very different than playing in a high stakes, you know, competitive arena environment. I'm pretty excited, dude. Like this is absolutely gonna be worth the buy-in for me. I am hoping to make day two, and I don't know if I can walk away with some cash, that's even better. I- I'm not gonna make any any high expectations though. Uh, I'm still learning caldheim as we all are, so I- I'm just doing this for fun. So that's one thing that I'm I'm pretty excited about. The next thing that I put is my Teferi, uh is that I got a vaccine nice. appointment? Nice, congrats, Yay. dude! Uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, it, it's you know t- took long enough. Um, so I'm gonna feel much better about my daily life once you know all my close friends and family are vaccinated and I can interact with them at least in some semblance of normalcy. I suppose having people over at my yeah, apartment. Uh, my tipple for this week, unfortunately, I'm very behind on lesson planning, as I always seem to be. <laughs> uh, I I had a little while where my honors class and my uh, like general class were in sync because the honors classes started with something else. so like for a beautiful like two weeks everything was in sync and I was able to use the same lesson plans for both classes. Uh, it was some you know modifications here and there, but the general activities are the same. And now honors is pulling back ahead and now I have to go and start doing more things again. So oh well, I gotta do my work. What yeah. <laughs> was unfortunate. Me. for me
0: this week of course the arena open is really really super cool i'm excited to see what that's going to be like i'm not actually excited about my chances i haven't cracked a sealed yet just given given the busyness of my schedule lately so i'm kind of going to go into it sort of blind i'll probably watch a couple of different videos or like listen to some podcasts on that uh, beforehand but i won't have any hands-on experience with the with the format just yet so we'll see how that all goes um and that's kind of my tibble is that i haven't played any sealed um but actually, uh, another quick little teferi Tibble combo for you is that, um, so I'm a car guy. I really enjoy cars. Uh, mm-hmm. For the listener, my current car, well, actually, my, my situation is kind of weird. I, I own a 2010 Mustang GT. I bought it a couple years ago, uh, and I bought it with, like, 31,000 miles on it, which is ridiculously unheard of for, for, for an That's older Mustang. Yeah. Um, the problem is it's a manual or a standard, depending on where, you, where you're where mm-hmm. you from. Um, and my wife, Hannah, can't drive a stick shift. So it's been sitting, and uh. we can't afford to have two cars at my apartment right now. The parking is too expensive. So yeah, it's been sitting at my dad's house, just not being driven. I actually unregistered it, so it's not, it doesn't even have a license plate. It's just off the road completely. And we've been <laughs> driving Hannah's lease, huh. uh, which is a Kia. And being a car guy, I'm not super enthusiastic about that. So we've been talking about bringing the Mustang up and, you know, whether or not we can we can get rid of the Kia early and just have the Mustang around. But then Hannah wouldn't have a car she could drive and I could teach her stick. But, you know, then there's all that kind of thing.
1: That's the whole. yeah. So instead, thing. what we've
0: decided is we're going to get rid of the Mustang. We're also gonna get rid of the Kia, and I'm gonna get a new Bronco, one of the new Ford Ford Broncos, and I'm super excited about it. I've been I've had my uh-huh. eye on that car for basically since they announced it, and we test drove one on Monday, and it's phenomenal. Super super excited. It's not a Mustang, and it's not like a sports car, but uh, it, it fits the SUV void that I would like to have filled. Uh, I'll just get another sports <laughs> car in like ten
1: years or whatever. <laughs> someday, rebuy the your, your yeah. current one from whoever's yeah. end up gotten it.
0: On to our listener question of the week. This week, we've got a, a really interesting one. Dorigan asks, what lessons about equipment can ZNR learn from KLD or KHM? I guess. Right? I, I think it's KHM.
1: I don't pretty know sure what this say. I'm just I, like, I keep calling it KLD uh, because, called high, yeah. right? Or KDE. No, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't sure, <laughs> pretty sure it's KHM, but we'll go with it. This could be solved by a simple Google search, but I'll be damned before I do that. So, um. This is an excellent question. Looking back on Zendikar Rising, I think most people can agree that the equipment were mostly flops. There were some that were pretty strong and some that could uh, be good in the right decks, but there were some that ultimately you would just never put in a deck. Skyclave Pickaxe, Utility Knife, uh, even Relic Axe wasn't always at its best. Um, Something like Cliffhaven Kitesail saw some play. So why is it that Cliffhaven Kitesail was meh and Raven Wings is actually pretty good? this has to do with the speed of the format a bit and a few other things. I, I want to kind of talk about these cards. One the pattern that I'm noticing uh, is that they fall into enablers and payoffs. So something that I'm noticing about the equipment in Zendikar Rising uh, is that a lot of these were payoffs. Look at Mind Carver, for example. Uh, this one was only ever worth really putting in your deck if you had gotten there on rogues and could successfully mill eight cards. So unless you were that pretty good rogues deck that could consistently do this, you just were never interested in carver. And if you could consistently do that, well, then all your cards are probably pretty good to begin with. I'm not even entirely sure if carver is going to be better than, say, your other 40th card. If your other 40th card uh, was like a Zulaport duelist, then I don't know, you, you might just want the duelist over the carver. So something else like Relic Axe or Skyclave Pickaxe fall into that. A lot of these are also just pretty underpowered. Skyclave Pickaxe is just, you know, just awful. <laughs> um, the, I think Landfall, I, the design admittedly is pretty cool. And of course, it does have the best flavor text in the set for use on Cliffs and other faces. But th- this just doesn't do anything on defense. And the green decks weren't really like hyper aggressive. The, uh, of course, green was just kind of weak in, in general. So now let's take a look at what's going on in Caldheim. We have some of these that are more enabler than anything else. Uh, First of all, the cycle of Uncommons. uh, They actually enable themselves, and then they enable other decks to to go over uh, the top and do other wild things. Gold Vein Pick can enable some really busted starts. Um, Something like uh, Raven Wings, which I I do think is much better in this format than Cliffhaven Kite Sail was. Something like Raven Wings can help break these late-game board stalls. Flyers can be very strong in this set because they let you get over the top of these Kind of gross piles of you and your opponent both have a million two fours out and no one's getting anywhere and then all of a sudden you top like a Raven Wings you've got a three four attacker and suddenly your opponent has a real clock and a threat they have to deal with whereas in uh, in Zendikar Rising Cliffhaven Kite Sail just ended up being a little too inefficient it was a more I would say a more straightforward aggressive strategy that would want this sometimes or sometimes the ability to go over the top just wasn't really what you wanted to be doing uh, that plan was not as good as that same plan is now in Kaldheim so uh, of course, there's some other interesting ones like Ruined Crown, uh, the back of Torolf and the back of Halvar. These cards are obviously just incredible if you can get them going. So, As for what lessons can be learned, I think they have some lessons to learn from each other. For the Zendikar Rising equipment, I do really love the uh, magnetic theft effect where uh, when they come into the battlefield, they attach to a creature. That's fantastic. That gets around the, one of the big problems of uh, equipment, which is you just don't want to have to pay that equip cost. If they're too expensive, you just you just don't want to put them in your deck. Uh, so that's a lesson I think that should be taken into future sets, and I'm excited to see that come back at some point. A lesson I think that Zendikar Rising equipment could learn from uh, Kaldheim equipment is to be good in a vacuum. Uh, so Mind Carver, you're not putting in most black decks. Scavenged Blade... You're putting in like a handful of red decks, but compare scavenge Blade to Tormentor's Helm. Like you're putting Tormentor's Helm in way more red decks than Scavenge Blade, uh, especially looking at these equip costs too. So uh, equip cost, of course, is another you know, huge factor of this. A lot of the Zendikar Rising ones uh, had heavier equip costs because they had these auto-attach uh, effects, so you kind of got your first one for free. And then finally, um, the the Kaldheim ones are, are good in the vacuum, especially with the Uncommon Cycle, which create a creature that just is there on its own. So I've had games where in time if uh, you top deck, say, a Dwarven Hammer in the late game, now you've got a major threat, and every other creature, no matter how bad it is, is going to be a pretty significant threat. Whereas if you top deck, say, something like, uh, I don't know, even like a Ravager's Mace, which is one of the better equipment from Zendikar Rising, if you don't have a creature to put it on, or if your opponent just deals with it, then, uh, you know, that's that, that. That's it. So overall, I would say that the equipment in Zendikar Rising were a little bit underpowered consider, uh, compared to the Kaldheim ones. They were much more narrow. They didn't go in as many decks. And while I do love the auto-equip thing, uh, the ability for equipment in uh, in Kaldheim to enable themselves and not really require any kind of setup at all, I think is probably the, my biggest takeaway. Man, I, I was super excited to talk about that, as you can tell. What, what are your uh, thoughts honestly, on that?
0: Honestly, man, you, you hit on pretty much everything I would think to hit on as well. Um I don't really have anything to add, so I'm not going to bother taking up time.
1: <laughs> That's an excellent, excellent answer. Okay, okay. So thank
0: you, Dorgan, for the question. Keep them coming in the Discord on our uh, listener questions channel, though. We love to get those and love chatting um, topics that you guys want to hear. So that brings us to our main topic this week. Of course, like I said, we're doing the Kaldheim live draft. We're going to go through an entire three packs worth of cards. We're going to talk about our picks. And, of course, we're going to do a premiere draft, so we are going to be restricted to time if we're talking too quickly or not explaining something that you uh, would like a little more feedback on, or you're maybe not following as well. We are going to record this and upload the video version of this as well on YouTube. So you can check out our YouTube channel for that. Um, I think we have a link to that in our YouTube or on our, our Twitter page. So you can check out that, uh, to get yeah. the link for that. We don't have enough followers or subs yet to uh, have our own, uh, extension. So, if you're listening to this as well in the future, then uh, you can check it out at YouTube.com forward slash Draft But let's get mm-hmm. into this live draft. I'm just going to kick off the recording here and we'll get going. So we're doing premiere
1: and these uh, these episodes are some of my favorite just because it's draft. This is why we, we do the show. We love draft. This is so much fun. So I'm yeah, excited. Yeah, we also
0: always have a great time uh, chatting about picks. What is what is your first pick? What are you trying to open right now?
1: Ooh, my number one like first pick in the set? That, that's hard to say. I haven't gotten experience with every every rare mythic yet. We're still pretty early. And I've actually had a bunch of repeats. Um th- there's a handful that I that I can say that I'd love, but I'd love to start with something like a Quake Bringer. Mm, I haven't
0: actually had the luxury of drafting a Quake Bringer yet, but the card's phenomenal, so I can't say no to that. We're getting into our first pack here, and we opened a Turgrid God of Fright. Now Turgrid's Lantern is one of my favorite cards in the set and one of the cards I've lost the most to, but let's see what mm-hmm. else we have going on in this pack. We've got a snowfield sinkhole as our, our dual, uh, Snowland, struggle for Skemfar and green. We've got, uh, an augury Raven, usher of the fallen and a dwarven hammer that I like to see in, in some other colors here. Ben, what are you thinking uh, on this first pick? You're just slamming Turgrid?
1: So between turgrid dwarven hammer, we've got a Frostpire pyre arcanist here too, which I think is pretty great. Uh, This is not the kind of place where I'd want to take uh, something, you know, we we have no plan yet. I mean, I'm personally just on Turgrid here. This is also a good card to take early. We could potentially try to take some discard or sacrifice effects to build around a little bit if we want to try to enable the front side. But the backside has proven to be a pretty efficient win con in in later controlling decks. Just huge inevitability Uh, with that card. Yeah, I'm okay with taking it just on power Same. level here.
0: And maybe we'll see one of these other cards wheel, but there's not really any other black in the pack at all, so that's kind of interesting. On to pack two, we've got a Snow-Covered mm-hmm. Plains, we have a Mistwalker, I see Squash in red, Breakneck Berserker, there is a Carter Doomscourge, a Doomscar Oracle, Starnheim Courser, there are a couple of decent cards here. What are you, what are you seeing?
1: Mm-hmm. A Colossal yeah, Plow. Yeah, I don't know that we're doing the, if I don't know that we're doing that. the
0: Cow Plow here, but... Um, I, looking at this pack, <laughs> I am, I gravitate towards Squash, but with Grid I might want the Doomscar Oracle because that's like the black, you know, the black white thing and Doomscar is a great, great card anyway. Um, Starnheim, Starnheim Corsair is great as well. And I like Mistwalker too.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm eyeing this Carter as it's actually, uh, besides a coma's Faithful, the only other black card in the pack. Uh, that's all we've got. So notably, the rare is missing, so there's no really s- strong signals here. I'm tempted to take the Carter, uh, and, and we could wind up in some kind of black-red aggressive deck. I don't think we're going to be able squash, which is unfortunate, but this might put one other person in red. Um, Do you like Carter
0: over Doomscar? I
1: would probably take uh, the Doomscar. Oakle. Yeah, I would take Carter here. I think on a power level, uh, again. Uh, first few picks, we like to solidify ourselves in power and this one is multicolored but you know it, it can get there On to
0: pack three and we're still not seeing any black only black cards are demonic gifts and dusk wielder i mean dusk wielder's fine but nothing really to write home about we've got a shimmer drift veil in the snow uh snow land so continuing to see those past boreal outrider in green a pilfering hawk in blue horizon seeker and a tormentor's helm as well i think we just want the helm here right
1: all right hear me out. i'm on a pivot now black yeah black is drying up is i think the worst card in the set and black uh, look we've got demonic gifts and dusk wielder right now there's uh the rare and two uncommon still left in this pack so it makes me think the person to our right could sure. be in red uh, and took something like a like a demon bolt or a, a squash or something. What I'm seeing here is a boreal outrider, which is a very strong yeah. snow payoff, as well as uh, shimmerdrift yep. vale, which is the best snow land. I would take yeah, the shimmerdrift, shimmerdrift. Was
0: my next uh, outside of trying to stick to red. Shimmerdrift was was next up on my list, so that'll be the pick here. Okay, now we see some black coming around. In this pack, we've got a, a blood sky mm. berserker, a skemfar shadow sage, and an Immersturm skull cairn. There's also Coma's Faithful, but we can ignore that for the most part. There's a Gold pick, which I like, and a Stalwart Valkyrie, which I also quite like.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Now, I did just say that black is the worst. Uh, I think the worst color in the set, but it's not by that much. I think the Blood Sky Berserker could be interesting here. This and the uh, the Shadow Sage isn't as much of a signal, but Berserker is a strong card, and I think we could wind up in, in some kind of double spelling deck. I think uh, being aggressive here, especially because we also see the Skull Cairn, this tells us that red, black is. Probably open, even though we're not seeing much red. I think we might want to pivot off red. I'm okay with keeping the turret in, in the on, on the front burner here, picking up this berserker, and then potentially moving into black white or, or something else, uh, something hopefully still aggressive to take advantage of the berserker. But. Uh, and then maybe I think the second pick here would be uh, something like the pick or maybe the Karen. Yeah, so that. we took
0: the Blood Sky Berserker there. I, I like using the uh, the lantern side of grid to really cause inevitability on the the black deck. So I wouldn't mind actually building this to be a little bit more of a, a longer lasting uh, black deck if we end up that way. In this pack mm-hmm. now we see Ascent of the Worthy, which I'm not a huge fan of. There's also uh, Best Gear Shieldmate Bound in Gold in white, so we see some decent white cards. There's also Divine Gambit, which isn't terrible. There's an Augury Raven in blue and a Grim Draugr and a Skull Raid in black. I actually like Skull Raid, if, especially if we're trying for that longer, although it doesn't really pair super well with the... Uh, I guess it actually, pairs, it actually does pair pretty decently with the, with the Turquid's Lantern.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm also seeing some pretty strong white yep. cards coming. Uh, this is a, a white signal to see a Bound and Gold and a Divine Gambit fifth pick. I think I take the Bound and Gold yeah, it's here.
0: it's decent removal and uh, gets us kind of moving into that white lane on to pack six we've got a glittering frost snow-covered mountain there's a batter sheared warrior and an invoke the divine in blue or it's rather in white there's a brine barrow intruder and a pilfering hawk in blue elder mentor in green and a masked vandal as well craven hulk in red
1: Mm -hmm. I wouldn't call this as much of a signal, given that not every deck wants the Batter Shield Warrior, but I do think it's a a pretty decent card. I think it's probably the pick here. The only thing I could consider is the Craven Hulk, but then we're getting a little bit heavy on the curve. Mask Vandal's fine. Covered Mountain's fine, but not as important for this kind of deck as some of the other ones. I think I could see this turning into a black-white draft, uh, but signals have been a little bit weird. Uh, I I would probably take this here. I don't think we're going to be in green. Uh, These green cards that we're seeing are are good, but... uh, we're still not seeing anyone taking the snow wheels. Ooh, that is a signal. Yeah,
0: so in this pack, we've got a Skimfar Avenger, uh, you know, 3-1 rare. Uh, we've got a Return Upon the Tide as well as an Iron Verdict. And it looks like it's about it that we'd be super interested in there's also dread rider in black but
1: mm-hmm. this is interesting we see a Skemfar avenger here and there's also a dwarven reinforcements in the pack so i'm looking to try to pick up some more berserkers i think this could be a, uh, a kind of low to the ground more aggressive deck with target as the top end you can play that backside as a you know as kind of like a, a top end to one of these decks too i don't mind that
0: yeah this seems like a great way to like chip in damage early and then use the lantern later to actually win the game uh, if you come across a board stall. So now we're back to pick eight. Um, mm-hmm. Or actually, we haven't seen this pack yet, but uh, this is a Boreal Outrider, a Lit Yara Seekers, and a Yarl of the Forsaken are the first three cards here. Anything else? is a struggle for skemfar and a Snow-Covered Mountain as well.
1: This is a super late struggle and a super late Boreal Outrider. Uh, And the fact that Snowlands are still in this pack, it's very strange. I would hate to go into something gross like Black Green Snow. That's not a particularly good deck. But this just tells us that the people to our right, nobody was interested in this struggle. I'd probably take the struggle here just as a a late signal.
0: Okay. Yeah, it doesn't really pair with what we've got yet, but we can see where it goes. We'll take that there. Now we see...
1: Yeah, I, I, I have a funny feeling we're getting cut on white. I think that bound in goal and the batter shield warrior may have been kind of little false signals there. This is the uh the pack nine we're seeing here. Uh we see a dwarven reinforcements, invoke the divine. These cards are kind of meh.
0: There's also a Runamuck uh, in this pack, which I think. The only
1: green like. cards. Mm, yeah, there is a Runamuck. I think that pairs pretty well with our, our skemfire Avenger and Blood Sky Berserker. I might take uh the Runamuck or the dwarven reinforcements. Probably the reinforcements just because it goes with the Avenger. Or actually no, that's non-token. Uh, isn't it,
0: it is non token, yes.
1: Um yeah, I mean, there's other Berserker things that we could uh, yeah. you know have going uh, on. So
0: next pack, we're back to pack 10 here. This is the Doomscar Oracle did wheel, which is a little surprising. Uh, Starnheim, of course, as well. And there's still a Snow-Covered Plains in this pack.
1: Yeah, Snow-Covered Plains, I think, is the, the worst of the bunch. I'd probably take the Oracle here. There's nothing else in this pack that we're interested in playing.
0: Pick 11, we don't see really anything we want. There's a Dusk Wielder and a Tormentor's Helm. Tormentor's Helm is a fine pickup.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and grab the helm. So it's looking like we've been we'll seeing black, pair. red, uh, black, red cards. Into pick twelve. Well, uh, that that's a plan. That means uh, that we could probably wind up with a good number of black and red good cards. Divine gambit wield, ascent of the worthy wield. So Mardu seems to be open. I, that late struggle was just so weird. Like th- maybe the people to our, like a few people to our right aren't in green, but uh, picking up the divine gambit there. Uh, just gonna grab some some nonsense at the end here.
0: All right, into pack 2. So we see a Cosmos Elixir as our rare. Ooh. There's a I love Cosmos Elixir. I haven't been playing with it yet. There's a Rhymewood Falls as our land. I think it's just worth mentioning that out of the gate. We have a way down in Black uh replicating ring, a Svela Ice Shaper, unfortunately I don't think we're really going to be positioned to play Svela. We could splash her, but I don't know that we'd get mm-hmm. a whole lot out of her. Um and there's a I think there.
1: Cosmos Elixir is an unpassable bomb. I have se- I've gotten this card passed to me and uh I do not think it. you should pass. I think when you open a Cosmos Elixir, you should generally take it. So here's the thing. This card is great against whatever your opponent is doing. If your opponent is playing aggro, you're gaining two life a turn. That's a significant effect. And then if your opponent is playing control, you start drawing extra cards. True. No matter what you're doing, Cosmos Elixir, no matter what you're doing, and no matter what your opponent is doing, Cosmos Elixir is pretty good. Uh, the only time this is like really that bad is if you're uh, playing control and your opponent's like hyper aggro.
0: So into the next pack, we have another bound in gold. There's a bird strider in blue, but I think we're pretty far from blue. There's a Carfell Kennelmaster, which I don't hate. It's a Berserker. Uh, there's also a Crippling Fear. So we're getting past the rare here. Yeah. And another Divine Gambit, which I don't think I am yet. Another Snow-Covered Plains as well. But I think Crippling Fear is probably where we want to be. We can select Berserker. Given and... the number
1: of Berserkers exactly. that we have in this deck
0: there's also a Haggy yeah. mob in this pack
1: but uh, I think it's time to go berserk
0: going berserk p- taking the crippling fear <laughs> yeah, but, and uh, as if the the card gods are with us we see <laughs> in this pack actually a couple of things we would want to take there's a Dwarven Hammer, an Axgard Cavalry, another Bound in Gold, uh, Return Upon the Tide, but we also get past Blightstep Pathway, which is the red-black dual land, um, and there's a Glacial Floodplain in the pack too, so these snow lands really not getting respected right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I like the Dwarven Hammer here a lot. Uh, the Axegard Cavalry I think is something we're going to want to pick up, as it is a cheap Berserker that helps give our bigger things haste, but I think Dwarven Hammer is just a, a power level pick here. I think it's that much better than these other things. Return Upon the Tides is not great in a deck like this. If the biggest thing we're returning is like a three-three berserker or something, or like a Carter. Uh, uh, that's whatever. I don't know if that's worth putting in our deck. Doesn't really fit our game plan that well. Wouldn't mind wheeling the Elder Fang Disciple, or honestly the Blade Step Path.
0: Yeah, I could see us wheeling the Blade Step just because uh, the Karen wheeled before. Uh, Black Red doesn't seem to be super respected mm, right yeah. now, and we just got past an Egon God of Death. <laughs> So oh, this is great, but there's also death berserker, which we'd love to have. There's a snow covered swamp, which our deck doesn't actually care about really. Uh, and then there's a squash as well, which our deck would not really like to have all that much either. So Egan.
1: Yeah. Squash. Uh, squash goes down a good bit in black red because you can't play as many giants as you'd like to Uh, there's only so many uh hulks that you can put in your deck before your top end starts getting a little too awkward Uh, i think egan is just going to be sick here
0: yeah so that'll be the pick hopefully we can pick up that death knell berserker on the wheel but we'll see uh here we get past another blood sky berserker there's a breakneck berserker in red um code spell cleric in white but i think think we're really at the point where we need to make a decision here on whether we're playing red or white we have a handful more i guess we have exactly the same amount of white and red cards but i think our red cards fit our black cards a little bit better
1: yeah i agree i think i would actually postpone the the choice here a little bit we have blood sky berserker uh, as well i think we can just take our second blood sky berserker and then uh, put put off our decision point just a little bit here there's also an elder fang disciple some other good black cards Uh, i think black is just super open and we should capitalize on it so now
0: we're into pick six here on on pack two there's a village rights haggy mob uh also a rune of sustenance which i do quite like the rune cycle then there's a jarl of the forsaken as well
1: mm. we have some solid white cards bound in gold Battleshield warrior but i do think red is going to pair better with this deck dwarven reinforcements to make berserkers carter doom scourge dwarven hammers all these are all berserkers i think this pairs a little bit better with the plan that we have right now which is make a bunch of berserkers and attack uh, hopefully, double spelling in between. I think Tormentor's Helmet would take over pretty much anything. So, I think out of this next pack, between Rune of Sustenance and the next pickup, which is a Haggy Mob, I think I'd take the Haggy Mob. Did
0: there uh, Next up, we see a drugger Recruiter and a Priest of the Haunted Edge in black. Not really things we're super excited to see here, but neither of them are exceptionally mm-hmm. terrible. Uh, there's another Haggy Mob in red, and that's about it. I mean, Wings of the Cosmos, which can be an okay card in the white decks, but. Nothing we're super excited to see here.
1: Yeah, uh, I w- I don't really want to waffle much longer on this black uh, black white versus black red decision. I think I think I take the mob even though it's not the best card here. It, it can win games. You can turn it sideways. Yep. So next up, ooh, here's the yeah, much better stuff. Next up, we stuff. see
0: Carvel Ken- Kennel master, I can't say that. Uh, skull raid as well as a <laughs> way down. I don't. Do we just want to take the Kennel Master here? We have a. We're getting kind of high up on five drops, and I wouldn't mind the Skull Raid. I think it's actually pretty decent. It Helps with the multi card synergies but way down a good removal spell and we are kind of light on removal
1: yeah i think way down the pick here we want to see some removal spells and this one you can cast uh in the same turn as you maybe cast something else play a creature attack and then do this next pick we don't really have anything this is our first miss i think there's a replicating ring invoke the divine disdainful stroke jogger thought thief broken wings roots of wisdom and a uh, runwood falls I think this is the first thing where we're a little bit disappointed, but I think we're doing quite fine. Yeah, I'm just going to take the Uncommon yeah, take for that the replicating collection ring.
0: into our next pack. We're kind of another miss here. Um, there's a Defined Gambit and a wow. Haggy Mob, but really we're not looking to play three Haggy Mobs in our aggressive black-red
1: deck. <laughs> definitely not.
0: So, you know, it's not really anything. I'm just going to grab an Uncommon for the collection here, but there really isn't anything we're super excited to be taking, even if we were playing white.
1: Yeah, definitely not. And speaking of... Here's some interesting stuff. There's a return upon the tide here. This might end up being a, a little more top endy red black deck. Maybe we're gonna play this, but I don't think so. I would just take the return. Uh the only other things in this pack are some, some kind of a crap arachno form these uh these snow duels though going super late i think the snow deck ended up being open wow that's yeah. a disrespectfully late mist walker as we see it left in the pack with mists of lit yara uh shackles of treachery and horizon seeker which i think those three deserve to be there but poor mist walker put that guy that in out of respect
0: cleric. this is a pick 13 code spell cleric so th- this draft has been kind of all over the place i feel like we really could have ended up in anything involving black um Black white could have mm-hmm. really gotten yep. there, and maybe it will in pack three. I kind of think we could still pivot to a black white in pack three. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, we've kind of been split between taking good white cards and and good black and good red cards rather. Uh, here in pick th- in pack three, we've opened a maskwood nexus as well as Giant's amulet. Uh, we've got uh, rune of mortality. We've got Maya, uh, and then some other. Okay, stuff. There's a feed the serpent. There's a way down. I think we're probably going to pick up one of these cards here. There's also a gold vein pick.
0: Yeah, this is actually a very interesting pick here. I don't think we're going to want the Maskwood Nexus.
1: Not really. It is a strong card, and this is a late game format, and it does make Brazil. True, but I feel like our late game <laughs> thing is, is just kind um
0: I would be looking between the best gear Shieldmate and the mm-hmm. Rune Mortality, personally, but we could do with more removal.
1: Yeah, I think I'd take the feed down or the feed the serpent, or the way down. I think our first feed the serpent's yeah, fine. Figured. It's just hard on that memorable. pack We might
0: get back. Uh in this next pack or pick two yeah. here, we've got a we've got a way down, which could very well be the pick, but there's also a code spell cleric, a doomscar oracle, a stalwart valkyrie, a lot of good white cards, and we have a haggy mob in red, and that is it.
1: This is this is really tough because we're stuck on this uh this I think just the way the packs are breaking, and I think we were cut from red from our last pack in pack two. Ooh, oh, I mean we, I I think it's still entirely possible we could wind up in red or white here, which I'm not very happy about. I think Stalwart Valkyrie might be the pick. We do really want to maximize these Blood Sky Berserkers, so taking the Code Spell Cleric wouldn't be that bad either. But plus, we just don't want to jam a deck full of Haggy Mobs. If your Blood Sky Berserkers never gain those two counters, then your deck really didn't get there. Yeah,
0: so we're really looking for a reason to stick to one of these colors, and I think we might be getting it here. Into pack pick three here, there's yeah. a Notwolf Slumbermound we're not really interested in. There's a Shield Shieldmate and another Stalwart Valkyrie, a Carfell Kennelmaster, Craven Hulk, but I- I'm just on the Valkyrie again.
1: Uh this feels really bad, but yeah, uh, I think uh, we got a little bit cut off red in the pack too. Uh, I think taking a lot of good black cards did allow us to get to this point though, where we're not entirely screwed. We have plenty of playables. Right. And I think uh, with the Shiver Drift and the Immerstrom Silk Cairn and the potential to pick up some more dual lands, we're not entirely uh, off playing three True. colors.
0: Next, there's another Immerst- Immersturm Cairn. We've got a Breakneck Berserker, which I'd probably like to pick up. There's also Bound and Gold, which wouldn't be terrible. I kind of like... Like, we really need... The <laughs> yeah, this is this is an awkward place to be. I kind of like taking the Bound and Gold and trying to focus on being a little bit of a slower deck, utilizing all these multi-spell synergies with with all the white cards we're getting passed right now. We've seen the mm-hmm. Immersturm Skullcairn wheel already, so I'm not too worried about picking that up, especially if we're not really sure we're playing red. Uh, but none of our red cards are exceptionally good. And I think our white just does a lot better right now than our red does.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I take the bounding gold here. I'd just not be very happy about it.
0: So in the next pack, we've got a Tormentor's Helm, a Rune of Flight, uh, Craven Hulk. <laughs> That's about <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Axe guard Braggart, yeah, I suppose.
1: Uh, again, black was just super open from the left when, when red was cut. But now we're kind of seeing this this opposite effect here. Ugh. Not, not the way you want to round out a pack three, but... It's not really much in here. I might take the Axe Guard yeah, Bragger. Yeah, I was thinking
0: too. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate. It is
1: a, admittedly a, a slower, bigger... Yeah, the thing can attack.
0: Into next pack, there's an Immersturm Raider in red, an, another Skull Cairn. There's an Infernal pet, which I really like in this, this deck, especially if we're getting the white cards in there. Uh, another way down, there's a Maya, a Rune of Might. But I, I'm on the Infernal pet here.
1: Yeah, I think we're double bound in gold now, and we do have that first way down. We can slam that pet. Yeah, next pick seven, we have a
0: Raven Wings... Wing of Wings of the Cosmos, a Yarl of the Forsaken, which we haven't actually picked up. We've seen a few of them, but we haven't picked any up, uh, which I'm not opposed to getting one hmm. in the deck. It helps with the double spelling, given that it's a foretell card. Um, otherwise, we see a Craven Hulk, a Seize of Spoils, and a Fearless Liberator.
1: Fearless Liberator really hurts yeah, to see here. it does. It's uh, a great card. Yeah, uh, because that's exactly the kind of, you know, load of the gun berserker. This makes me think that our, uh, our, uh, our friend to our right might be playing a slower red deck, something taking a so, so picking up a lot of the removal spells uh, and then hoping to have a more late game plan. And maybe uh, they might be doing some kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a giant's plan. But then again, here we see a Bergstrider and a Volatile Fjord. Yeah, to be honest, this uh, this draft is a little yeah, bit off the rails. All over the place. I think we can take a Jarl before the yep, they can Yarl the is
0: our only option. Here we see a, a Axgard Braggart versus Rune of Mortality. I'm perfectly fine picking up the Rune of Mortality.
1: Yep, I think we can pick up this rune and hope to put it on a haggy mob, which is a Absolutely. beautiful combination.
0: Speaking of, we've got a haggy mob in pick ten here. There's also a way down, and I'm fine picking up a second way down to give us a little bit more uh, removal to work with. There's also a Draugr recruiter. Absolutely, it, But Looks way good. down seems to be the pick here. Next pick, we don't really have anything going for us. There's a Wings of the Cosmos and a Funeral Longboat, but not really excited to take any of them, given that we already have a Wings of the Cosmos. I do like having one in decks then mm-hmm. that have a hard time going. You know, into the ground very well, but but two are not really likely to make the cut for me.
1: Yeah, here in our last few picks, we're starting to get to the uh, the the super chaff. Uh, I think honestly, taking a Dusk wielder here isn't the worst thing in the world. We might need it to double spell the blood sky berserker. So here's the thing: uh, what is this deck trying to do? What is this deck's game plan? This deck's game plan got messed up significantly by the colors, and we just rounded out the last few picks there. So, because of the way that these packs kind of uh, got passed to us, I think we interpreted signals decently well, uh, even though this was, you know, kind of like time crunch. And this is part of the the skill of drafting, drafting is a timed experience, right? So, I think that this deck could potentially be built in two different ways. I think we wound up with more good white cards than than anything else, and we did wind up with some. Uh, you know, little synergies here and there. Carter Doom Scourge is a great card. Putting a uh, a rune of mortality on a haggy mob is a great combination. But I, I think, despite not being super happy with how this deck turned out, it still has some power. This deck has a crippling fear. This deck has Turgrid. This deck has Egan, uh, and it has uh, Skemfar Avenger, multiple Blood Sky Berserkers. I think, despite the uh, tumultuous draft process, we wound up with a pretty serviceable black white deck.
0: Yeah, we ended up having to make cuts, so it's. You know, we made, an, we got enough playables, which again is something that we've talked about a lot on this show. Like, we really don't have to worry about that in modern or contemporary magic limited formats. Mm-hmm. So, we did, we did get enough playables, but it was, it was awkward. We didn't know what deck we were playing until, you know, the middle of pack three, which is definitely not where you want to be. So, I think this was an interesting case where, and I think honestly, Ben and I probably would have ended up in two different decks if we didn't draft this together. Uh, ben and I often find each mm-hmm. other, uh, Splitting on a certain pick and that kind of defining the rest of the draft, but yeah, we sure. we tried to stay as open as possible. We kept to the black as as frequently as we could when we weren't sure whether to pick between white or red, and I think that worked out for us here. We got past a couple of decent rares and uh, made our way through with the crippling fear and the Egon God of Death, and then we we just found you know the few extra cards we needed to to round out the rest of the deck. And I think like Ben said the the white cards here, Code Spell Cleric, the Doomscar Oracle, a couple Balanin Golds, we got a couple Starwar- Stalwart Valkyries, were just a bit better than, than the rest of our red cards, and we really didn't even pick up that many red cards. We picked up a total of five red cards if you don't include the Immersturm Skull Cairn, so, and, and we could have biased towards more of them, I suppose, because we really started to take white cards at the end there, but
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, that's my bad. I think you were trying to pull it away a little before I was. Uh, so, taking an earlier, a second code spell cleric, this deck really wants a second one. And I think I might have talked you off of one of those at one point, but uh, my bad. Uh, but I think this deck is still fine. Uh, one thing I'm concerned about is we have double way down, double star Valkyrie. Uh, so, this deck is going to want to be eating its graveyard pretty significantly. However, we do have, I mean, there, there's the Egon. I mean, he, he dumps stuff in the graveyard. Yeah. So, uh, I, I uh, at least uh, if we play the back half, the throne of death that is. Uh, Ego in the front half, well he'll, he'll just kind of go away. But at worst, that's a three mana cycler that you know potentially uh, just blocks really well for a turn before it dies.
0: Yeah, uh, like you said, it's a little bit awkward, but we do have the elixir, the cosmos elixir as well. That's going to kind of keep us keep us going um, and and keep feeding our hand. So I'm I'm not super worried to be honest. We have decent removal um, and the crippling fear did get a little worse swapping to white. We, we lost a big chunk of our Berserker, uh, you know, backbone. We do have a handful mm-hmm. of Warriors, but other than that, it's, it's going to be kind of hard to leverage that Crippling Fear properly, I think. Yeah,
1: I think it's still worth playing, given that board wipes tend to overperform in Limited, especially when there's lots of smaller creatures going around. There's still people going really wide in this set. I've been blown up by Crippling Fear a few times. Uh, I, I think it will be pretty good. Um, I don't think, like you said, it's as good as it would be in a deck where you have... Uh, a higher concentration of cards of a certain type, but yeah, we're we'll kind of
0: split. we've got it. We've got four warriors. It seems, and we've got a couple of berserkers, three berserkers and uh, four. Yeah. Four clerics or five warriors actually. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that, that is what it is. Sometimes that happens. I think our deck is still going to be able to leverage it relatively frequently, but we'll see.
1: Yeah. I would put this deck at a six out of 10. Uh, I think it has some very powerful rares. Uh, this is what like, black god rare drafts with cosmos elixir to glue it together uh this deck has power right Uh, and there's certainly busted draws from this deck that'll be able to win games effectively however i think this deck kind of struggled because we weren't able to make that decision to get into the uh like this archetype until the very end and i think we might have seen some weird packs in there um you and i are pretty experienced drafters we know what it's like to see confusing picks like we saw a Mistwalker go like uh fourth to last pick but I don't think blue is particularly open right uh, I think there there may have just been some some strangeness happening in this and that's okay like uh, occasionally you're just going to wind up with a draft where things go a little weird this also proves to our listeners that we didn't just do it until we got a great <laughs> draft and upload the, <laughs> our best work i think it's important to be able to take a not so great draft experience and analyze how you got there and what we can learn from it so I think a great takeaway of this is because this deck's plan is a little bit fragmented, we're able to say it's a little bit fragmented because we didn't have a set, uh, set two color scheme by our third pack. And we were still a little bit waffling, but you really want to decide about half a pack sooner than we did. Um, like midway to late through pack two is the really absolute latest. You want to decide right on your, on your yeah. second color, if, if not a, a two color pair. So, uh, I hope the listener can learn something from this, uh, of, uh, of some value this deck has power it's going to win games however uh i think it's a little worse than it could have been because of uh just kind of the way the the drafting process went for sure
0: that said that's going to do it for us this week thank you so much for listening and of course if you want to follow along a little bit better and check out some of the cards we may not have mentioned throughout the draft the video version of this will be uploaded on youtube following the uh release of this episode so definitely give that a give that a look um also, if you're interested in learning more about drafting as a whole or you just want to talk about your drafts, throw up your trophies, get, have somewhere to, to, to sort of flaunt uh, a little bit, head over to the Discord. That's the best place to do that for us and to interact with our community. We have a lot of trophy decks popping up in call It seems like a fun format and everybody's been enjoying it. So definitely give that a look if you're interested in what decks are trophying and all that sort of thing. Also, if you're interested in giving back to the show, check out the Patreon. That's the best place to go to support us directly. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. Thanks
1: everybody. We'll catch you next week. Good luck in the sealed tournament, everybody. So uh, I have a, a, a bit of a, a fun sign off I kind of decompress after that admittedly kind of messy draft, not, not one of our finest, but you know, I think still, uh, still pretty good. Nonetheless, um, it was Valentine's day this past weekend. So do anything fun? <laughs>
0: uh, well, we, I'll start by saying we spent the weekend at my in-laws, so that... Ooh, fun. (laughs) I mean, I don't have... Unfortunately for me, and actually we were talking about this this weekend, I don't have the in-laws where it's like, I gotta go see the in-laws. Not super super excited about that. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it does make things awkward, right? You're staying in somebody else's house and they have so many kids that it's like you know you're never actually alone it's kind of an awkward situation yeah Um, originally hannah and i had planned to stay at uh, she has has grandparents who live near her parents so we were gonna go visit the in-laws but stay at a house that we had to ourselves because her grandparents are snowbirds they head down to florida for the summer or for the winter rather um Hmm. and so we were we thought we were gonna have a house to ourselves we were gonna make a nice dinner we were gonna do like a a gnocchi and sausage kind of dish and
1: uh you know just have
0: some fun hanging out uh that kind of thing didn't end up working out that way but we ended up getting chinese food and just going out to a nice restaurant where we actually had our first date so it was it was salvaged it was still a nice a nice evening yeah nice how about you
1: absolutely pretty good uh i will say my girlfriend and i we we made this uh we tried to make like a charcuterie board board, uh but our with our own spin on it we spent probably like half an hour in a in a Wegman's, just like trying to pick out everything out because I haven't been to a Wegman's in ages. I forgot how like aestheticized <laughs> the entire inside of Wegman's are. It, it's it, it's like you're walking into like a movie set almost. It, the way it just is bustling and fake. I don't know if everyone have has these. Probably not across the world, right? I would call this a uh, a, a gentrified, pretty upper high tier shopping center or sh- like f- shopping uh, for food place, right? Yeah,
0: I mean, honestly, I've never been to one, so
1: ah, okay. Uh, well, the inside kind of has the like it has um, almost like windows as if you're in a in a bustling market. It, it's kind of made to look as though you're walking down like a street and uh, there's people like looking out over you, but it's actually the staff on their brakes. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny, but it, it was uh, absolutely bustling. The thing was, uh, we ended up getting way too much stuff. Uh, I think our our. Uh, our appetites got the better of us. So we were left over with just way too much fancy cheese and fancy meat. So now for my entire week, my, my leftovers have just been like <laughs> making sandwiches out of like I, I feel so terrible. I'm putting this like this like smoked gouda on this like bad white bread. <laughs> it's it's uh it's not something that I'm proud of. But I will say uh, for Valentine's Day, my girlfriend got me a said McKinnon print. Of, uh, of Oh, soul lovely uh, she's an artist uh, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh,
0: art. i love that card
1: yeah she's an artist and we've i've mentioned to her how much i love magic art and she uh she was a huge fan of seb when she saw his work because obviously seb is just incredible so uh she picked up a uh, an art print that's from awesome from that. so uh that was it was sweet i can't wait to frame that thing hang it up we've got some other magic art that i just haven't hung up yet i've got a bane slayer and a tireless tracker uh so a few of my other Very favorite nice. arts all very spacey now that I'm now that I'm thinking of it. Starting to think of a theme here. Perhaps I nah, like space.
0: <laughs> you only went to school for like astrophysics or something. That, it can't be. <laughs> I don't think that works that way.
1: Yeah, I guess not. Anyway, last thing before we go. Um, have fun in the Sealed League, everybody. Uh, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to do a Sealed episode. This kind of snuck up all of a sudden. I, I genuinely thought the Sealed thing was happening yeah. next weekend. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> not this week. But uh, a few tips for Sealed. I think disdainful Stroke goes way up. I think you're going to play every copy you open uh, kind of along the same lines. The aggressive strategies get a little bit worse. The late game strategies get a little bit better. And there's already a lot of really good late game strategies in time So stuff like the, the Svella decks, the Ravenous linworm decks, the uh, Yara Mirror Lake decks, these all get a big boost from being able to plan their deck out a little bit more consistently so uh slam some big stuff be prepared to deal with the big stuff and uh have fun playing some limited battle yeah also
0: if you happen to to place for day two keep us updated in the discord throw throw that in there it would be great to root for you guys as uh as, as everybody's playing through the open